This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Great day for talk radio. Believe it or not, it is a great day for talk radio. Weather-wise, well, I'll leave it to you uh, to make your own call on that. Some people ensconced safely in warm places, others uh, you know, driving out and about. Those people should be uh, operating a snowplow. Otherwise, you know, be very mindful. Conditions on the road. Not as bad as last Monday, admittedly, but uh, still the slickness because these are somewhat different conditions, as we heard from uh, the manager of City Roads and Expressways uh, tell us last hour that uh, they have to continually salt and sand because the conditions have changed. There's a little bit of plowing taking place because there had been some snow. So we're sort of on the cusp of, uh, I don't know what, a confluence of different weather uh, fronts or types. So anyway, on that note, uh, we'll keep you apprised if anything needs to be mentioned uh, further beyond just the cautionary tale that uh, continues into the morning. And the morning rush hour, as you heard Danny mention, uh, will be equally, do I say hazardous or challenging, whatever. On another matter, uh, we were uh, awaiting the arrival of our friend Bill Waters to express a few thoughts and uh, insights into how Austin Matthews has uh, not exactly broken the bank, but he's darn near close. 21 years of age, he's slated to make $58 million over the next five years, which is interesting because at 26 he'd be an unrestricted free agent. And uh, a lot of people are chuffed that this guy has sort of locked in for the long haul. But it's not as long a haul as it could be, and uh, therein lies the dilemma. But this is a team with a, a salary cap. You know, everybody's got to manage uh, there are about four guys that take up the bulk of uh, the allotment of cash for contracts. Or when you get around that 40 percentile of your overall budget, you're really treading on thin ice. So we'll see how they square that circle when we get Mr. Waters to join us. Uh, elsewhere, boy, uh, speaking of uh, frigid, did you see last night's State of the Union address <laughs> and watch the reaction from some of the Democrat precincts, I mean, there were the women dressed in white that, uh, I don't know what that was exactly, but they were so scornful of whatever Trump was saying, even when it was American boosterism, they were reluctant to cheer. I think some of them had to be coaxed into applauding when he mentioned that more women are now employed in the American workforce than ever before. Uh, Like they were looking around for some kind of assurance. Is that a good thing? Uh, You tell me. Is that something you support? And then they start clapping. It was like, man, uh, the partisan divide there is so toxic And uh, the venom that you could see in some cases where Nancy Pelosi, when she would sort of rise, but she's reading her script because it's an advanced copy of the speech, she forgets to sit down when everybody else has. And she kind of checks herself. Oh, yeah, got to sit. Boy, she was monitoring everything, wincing at the right places. When uh, I guess it had been mentioned by Trump that this is not a socialist country and never will be, uh, Bernie Sanders, the camera cuts to Bernie Sanders. He's got a scowl on his face. Like he's just bitten into poison fruit. Remarkable. As I said yesterday, it's kind of theater of the absurd or it's a theater of something. Although I thought it was on uh, many fronts a very impressive speech, actually. Mind you that Trump would insert on occasion some, uh, it had to be unscripted or his own personal marginal notes about uh, we don't need any further investigations. That kind of lost the room there temporarily. (laughs) But the boosterism, uh, Americans are big on that, so it played to, uh, I guess, most constituents. What's interesting, though, again, I say the toxic uh, divide in America is such that uh, there's an interesting development in Virginia where uh, the governor and the lieutenant governor, they say lieutenant governor, and there's uh, 
Somebody else there, the attorney general, all Democrats, have been now accused of some serious violations, in one case sexual assault, from a fellow Democrat who's like a law professor out on the West Coast. Sounds reminiscent of the Kavanaugh hearings. And then uh, two of the three also uh, appearing in blackface in school yearbooks or having just done that as a a lark back in the 80s. We're going to talk about that with our panel and topics worthy of discussion coming up shortly. But we have made contact with the aforementioned Mr. Waters, one-time assistant GM to the Toronto Maple Leafs and a friend of the Oakley Show. Billy, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm well, John. Thank you very much. Everything's good here in Florida. Well, is that where you are? Of course it's good there. Not so much here. I mean, we got snow and sleet and rain and everything to keep the posties away. Yes, I, I, I understand that. That's too bad. It's been, a, it's been a strange winter up there, I gather, John. <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, you're in the warmth and uh, the wonderfulness and all the rest of that. Hey, speaking of warm and wonderful, uh, Lee fans are chuffed. This deal that Austin Matthews signed, five years, 58 mil. You tell me, is that a good deal for both the player and the organization or one make out better than the other? Well, I, I think it's a good deal for both. I, th- there's a number of circumstances that, uh, go into it, John. First of all, eleven point five million, whatever he got. Yeah, six four. Uh, five eleven point six, I think it would turn yeah. out to be. Yep. Uh, is 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 far too much, but it's the market price, and uh, the fact that they've got him under contract for five years uh, is good. Uh, their option was to sign him to eight, like they could, and had they done that. They would have been dealing with 13 million, because that's the way uh, the numbers work out with the higher higher cap value. So they've got them under reasonable control at 11.6. The key to all this, as I see it, John, is the collective bargaining agreement will be renewed before they have to re-sign Matthews, and one of the principal. Uh, items on that list of things to change is the eight-year contract uh, that they can give to their own free agent, a.k.a. Tavares. When he was in the island, he could have gotten an eight-year deal. Because he switched teams, he could only get a seven. So in uh, Austin Matthews' case, he could get an eight-year deal. So eight and five is 13. 13 and 21 is 34. So they would have been burdened with a 34-year-old clunking around and doesn't appear uh, as if he's going to be doing that as smoothly as we thought he was. So I think it's beneficial to the Leafs to have him under five years, and then the new contract after the collective bargaining agreement will be in the range of five six- or seven-year duration. So they're going to save themselves at least two to three years at the bad end of the contract because once a player gets into his 30s, uh, there is one thing that is dead certain. His speed will diminish, his skill set will diminish, and that will be that. Those are the free years. So the less you can get yourself into the high-priced years, the better you are. So for that reason, I think the Leafs made a good deal. I don't think that Austin Matthews can complain about the amount that he got. All that he can do is try and equate how badly he's played for the last two months with how much money he's made for the next five years. And hopefully he will come to his senses and he can get back to playing like the payer, player that they paid him 
to play. Bill Waters with us, former assistant GM to the Toronto Maple Leafs. By the way, Bill, if he lives up to expectation, I mean, it might just be a lull right now. He seems in the last couple, three games anyway, coming around. But uh, at five years, he's an unrestricted free agent at 26. Wouldn't he bolt the barn and go to greener pastures so Toronto would lose him? So we've got to win a cup within the next couple, three, five years. Yeah. I don't mind that, though, John. Uh, the, there's two scenarios. First of all, they can renew the contract before uh, after July 1st of the final year. So if he is as good as he was in the beginning of the season and in his rookie year, then they're going to – money will never be an object with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the cap era. So they will pay him what they have to for five years depending on what they do with the collective bargaining agreement. So you know that you can't give that a finite number. But that means that they will have, let's say it's five. Let's say they can renew them for five. And uh, he gets uh, $15 million. I don't know what it'll be. It becomes uh, very uh, uh, confusing as to the amount. But if he's the superstar that they don't want to leave, then they will pay him. If he's the superstar but not quite as effective as no Stanley Cups and only one second-round finish, they will be happy to get rid of him, John. <laughs> All right, so that's what it is. The five-year yeah. could turn out to be prophetic and a blessing. But listen, there are also other pieces in this puzzle, moving uh, pieces. How's this deal play into the hands of the Marner camp? Well, the Marner camp, and, and Marner is a different player. He's not a centerman, and... Just to, just to bring all three of them together, Nylander's camp, his father and the Holy Ghost, <laughs> they decided that they wanted Nylander paid as a centerman. Mm. That's why the Leafs overpaid. Mm. At least that's the excuse that I'm giving them. Mm. I think that was it. Mm. So he, he, he is a, he's a skilled center iceman who they've converted to the wing. Marner is just an, a, a hockey player. But, John... Oh. You watch a lot of hockey. Oh, yeah. Who's the only forward on the Leafs that can carry the puck from his own zone to the other team's end? Who's the only forward, John, mm. who can strip the puck from other players? Mm. Who's the only forward that looks like he's a magician with the puck? Mm. Who's the leading scorer of the Toronto Maple Leafs? Mm. Then I ask you the fifth and most important question. Mm. Who is the best player on the Leafs? Well, so you're high on Hyman is what you're saying. <laughs> oh, no, I get your point. Look, he's uh, he's hitting all the buttons and the right notes. The thing, let me just dial back to the Austin Matthews contract, though. 93% of this is upfront in bonuses. How does that work? Well, you know, first of all, there's going to be a strike or a lockout. When's that, 21? Uh, yeah, 21. So mm. they want to make sure all of that money, let's say it's just one year, but uh, it, it, when when you've got cash like the Leafs have, they can do that. And that's a feature. The money's in the bank. They don't have to worry about being paid. Uh, I, I, I think it's distorted at times. But when you've got yourself in a situation where you've told everybody that it's going to be easy to sign uh, your top three young players, you better do what you have to do to sign them. And as Cliff Fletcher used to say to me many times, John, Willie, don't let the nickels and the dimes <laughs> Get in the road of signing your best players. 
Right. You got to do that to anchor your franchise. But here's the thing again, you know, I mean, uh, a lot of players might start getting wise and saying, yeah, the money's good, but the Ontario and Canadian tax regime works against us. And they want to go to places like Florida, where you're at, where they got what? uh, No sales tax. Uh, The personal tax is what, 23 percent or something like that? Very advantageous, as it is in Texas, John. Mm. But that's fine. If you want to go and play before 4,000 fans and uh, <clears throat> get all the free seats you can get and lose every every year, that's good. Okay. That's nice. By the way. The, 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 John, yeah. the hockey universe is in Toronto. Okay. And if you get an opportunity to play, or like you do, mm. to broadcast in that hockey universe, mm. it's a feature. I know, but you couldn't keep a straight face while you were saying that, could you, Bill? (laughs) Hey, listen, here's something else I'm curious about. What if the Leafs, uh, they lose Marner, or there's an offer sheet on Marner where uh, they've got a match or risk losing him? I mean, they get compensation in the other direction with four or five first-round picks, but maybe somebody wants to pluck this guy if he's as good as you say. Uh, Where does that put them? That puts them at... John, I did uh, an offer sheet uh, with Vancouver one year with a defenseman um, who was a good young defenseman back in 97. And there's one thing for certain. Mm. The offer sheet will be matched and the Leafs will have to work it out under their cap. So that if it's an offer sheet for $12 million, good luck to the Leafs and the team that's tendered the offer sheet because that's far too much. But you've still got a year to trade him if you're signing him in advance, and uh, he has uh, some trade restrictions there. But I I wouldn't be surprised if they talk offer sheet a lot, but I think the only definitive thing about an offer sheet is that of all the teams in the National Hockey League, the Toronto Maple Leafs will match it and worry about the cap situation after the match has transpired. But It, it will be. It's the only, the only uh, item that they've got. Uh, uh, the uh, Marner camp, other than he's arguably been their best hockey player. Yeah, and if an offer sheet were to come through, uh, hopefully the fax machine would be working at the time. That's, <laughs> a, that's a problem, John, and you know that it's happened with some of the sharpest executives that ever worked in the NHL. All right, uh, I would say you resemble that remark. Finally, got to ask, Bill. I'm tight on time, but what should the Leafs do at the trade deadline, February 25th? Get themselves a forward who can walk around and do nothing but defend his teammates. And I don't mean have fights, John. Mm. I mean just make people realize that, hey, if you're going to run our skilled players, I'm going to find a way to, uh, to look after you. And the Leafs have none of that now, as you know. It's, it's open season on all of those guys. Well, they say Muzzin might have given a little bit of sandpaper in consideration of that. but uh, sure he did. Sure he did, John, but did you see the invitation he got against Anaheim? Mm. And, and that's, not, that's not to denigrate the skill set of Muzzin. A wonderful addition and a great player for the Leafs. But don't count him in as a guy that's going to do that. He's going to present a physicality that they don't have on defense, and that's very important. But when you watch some of the teams, and Anaheim was a good example, after Muzzin ran Perry, there were at least four invites to fight. Yeah. And it, you didn't want any part of it. And I don't, I'm not promoting fighting. I'm only promoting defending the, the young Leaf players that will need that defense. I'd like them to find a player that could do that.
All right. Hey, Billy, it's always great to talk to you, uh, and we, we're envious of the fact you're down in sunny and warm Florida, but uh, let's connect again real soon. For sure. I'll be ready to go, Johnny, and fill your mind with great uh, <laughs> profundities. You know that. Oh, yeah. No, you're a wealth of profundities. There's no question. <laughs> Till next time. I'm a wealth of a lot of other things, too, <laughs> right. that you're going to have to start to recall. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You'll jar the memory the next time we speak. Okay, John. Over and out. Yep. Bill Waters former assistant GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's get to our panel. Topics worthy of discussion in moments here on The Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.